Well, welcome everyone. It's great to have you back for week eight of the Alpha Course. Thank you guys for being here. Um, all right, let me ask you as we are approaching graduation day, how many of you, shh, how many of you guys have been here all tonight? Eight weeks, eight weeks present and accounted for. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Hannah, you too. So anyway, welcome. Anybody here for the first time tonight? First time. Well, welcome. That's great to have you guys here. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Well, we are in week eight. Who is the Holy Spirit? And uh, before we do that, I just want to remind you this weekend, which we have all been waiting for, not maybe not all been waiting for, but is the Alpha Weekend. Again, it's a part of a course. We will be in session, um, session nine and ten. Uh, and so it's a part of the course. We'll have breakfast, uh, pardon me, we'll have dinner Friday night at 6.30. It's going to look just like tonight. And then Saturday morning, breakfast at 8.30, full-fledged breakfast. No Otis Spunkmeyer stuff. I mean, this is the real thing. So Pete lays it out. So if you're looking for a high-cholesterol meal, <laughs> you will come to the right place. So anyway, um, now... So if you're coming, or if you think you're coming, if you can come Friday and Saturday, great. But please register. If you can only come Friday, can't come Saturday, then come Friday, not Saturday. And Saturday, not Friday, that's fine. But please register for us. If you don't know whether you can come or not, and you don't have time to register, then just show up. Okay? Really. Please, just show up. And uh, we'll have uh, books for, for each of you. And let me just let you know, for those of you who have kids... Um, we will be having childcare uh, on Friday night and Saturday. So everything that you heard earlier, I just I feel like the press secretary at the White House. Um, sorry, <laughs> doesn't matter what administration. Okay, I'm not making a statement about the present administration. Um, so. So yes, thanks to the amazing work of our children's director, Ryan Lowe, and his trusty, yes, 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 and his trusty elves, we will have childcare. We have not had childcare for Alpha Weekend in a long time, if ever, so very grateful. So um, if you're not coming to Alpha, you just want to drop your kids off, just, come ahead, just go ahead and do that. Uh, no, no, we do. Great. This is, this is such, this weekend, I love this weekend. It is a great time. And for those who have been to the weekend, I know that they would agree. So please come and join us. And then next week, now we're not done. This doesn't end, Alpha. Next week is session nine. And then week 10 is session 10. And uh, we'll have a little fun graduation as well as the uh, as, uh, session 10, which is called, What Do I Do With the Rest of My Life? And so uh, that will be a part of the evening. So tonight we are in session eight, page 46. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, you know, it's, it's again, we're talking about supernatural things that we cannot see. Um, and, you know, when we believe as as followers of Jesus Christ, those who believe in the Bible, believe in God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we typically don't have a hard time with father and son because they're fathers and sons on earth. And so we can, we kind of get a grasp of that. But when it comes to spirit, how do we deal with spirit? So, uh, you know, when growing up in my tradition, I mean, I, it, and it doesn't really matter whatever your tradition was, uh, different traditions. Um, I grew up in, in, um, I mean, I'm Italian. Okay. So, I mean, the last name's Loria. If you're Italian, you're more than likely 99.9999% chance you are you grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition. But I had no clue of the Bible or anything else, uh, much less God. But I, do know, I did know this about the Holy Spirit. Um, he had something to do with my shoulders. Um, because when I would pray, I would pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So I, I didn't quite know what that was. I guess the father was my head, the son was my heart, and maybe wings. I'm just not sure. But he had something to do <laughs> with my shoulders. And that's about all I knew. That's about all I knew. And that was really stupid, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, so what else is new? So, um, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third 
person of the Trinity. He is not an it or a force or a ghost. He's not an attitude. He's like team spirit. Like we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? Okay. Okay. So he's, he's <laughs> so <laughs> okay. So if if you guys if if you that are here for the first time would just like to leave now, I fully under I fully understand. Fully understand. This is not your traditional meeting. <laughs> Y'all did great. Thank you. Um, but he's not, uh, he is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. But this is who's going to be at the Alpha Weekend. Alpha will be at the Alpha Weekend. He's a funner. All right, I'll get serious in a minute. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. He's not a force. He's not an attitude or a thing. He is the third person of the Trinity. And he thinks, he speaks, he leads. He grieves. I mean, the scripture is very clear that he is a person. Now, tonight I'm not going to go into an understanding of the Trinity. No, three persons in one God. But tonight we're just going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit and his work on earth and his work in people's lives. And we can just, just give you a couple of scriptures here that, that he, he actually speaks, okay? He leads and he thinks, so he thinks, it says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. This is the beginning of the church after Christ is ascended into heaven. The spirit is now working, has, has come and the spirit is working in the first church. And Luke, who was the writer of Acts, said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so he thinks. And, then he, and as well that, we can see that. He speaks, but brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David. And so we could go on and on seeing a multiplicity of scriptures that speak of the person of the Holy Spirit. And I can give you just a little bit of, of, of biblical history here. We can go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Scripture says, in the beginning, you're familiar with this scripture, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And we see, so we, we know that through other scriptures that the father was involved with creation. We know that the son was involved with creation. We see the spirit in Genesis chapter one and other places, the spirit was involved with the creation. So in the very beginning, he is at work and we can see, this is interesting. I'll get to this a little bit more in a minute, in a minute but just to jump to this, the spirit is interesting. He's involved with creation and we see here formlessness emptiness, some, um, some translations say void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. He was involved with creation. Well, the interesting thing is he's also involved, the Bible tells us, he's involved with recreation. I mean, you think about this, the Bible says that you and I were darkness, that we were in darkness. And what does the Spirit do? The, the Spirit is involved with bringing life to those who surrender to Christ. He, he, takes, he takes us it's the Holy Spirit that takes us out of Adam and places us into Christ. He's the one that takes us out of darkness and places us into Christ. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But on page 46, we can see here that he came to particular people at particular times to do particular tasks. He would come upon people, and we see examples. You can see them, Bezalel in Exodus, the craftsmanship of the vessels in the tabernacle of God in the wilderness when when the Jews were wandering in the wilderness, Gideon, he gave Gideon anointing for leadership against the enemies of God, against the Midianites. Samson, we've all heard about Samson. He gave him uh, supernatural strength, as well as Isaiah, who was a messianic prophet. We have uh, a multitude of prophecies about the Messiah to come through the prophet Isaiah. And we have a, a multitude of other experiences and examples of the Spirit coming upon people before the time of Christ. And he was prophesied, the Bible says in, in uh, Ezekiel, that it was prophesied by 
God through Ezekiel that the spirit would come. And this is, and I want you to look here at this. Look at, and I emphasize the eyes here. So that red eye, I will give you a new heart is what God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So what is he saying here? He's going to give us a new heart. He's going to place us in Christ. He's going to remove from you a heart of stone. He's going to place us into Christ. And I will put my spirit in you. He's going to place us into Christ and take us out of Adam and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's the work of God's spirit. There's nothing about us as that takes place in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ that God is involved with, that it is not the spirit of God that does that. And I'll show you a couple of scriptures more in a minute. But he puts that want to in us. I mean, who is God speaking to here? He is clearly speaking to you and me. What he's saying here, again, this, is, this, this prophecy is 600 years, over 600 years before Jesus. I will give you, now again, so, again, like I've tried to say, take this personally. In other words, hear God writing this to you, not just some archaic um, manuscript from generations ago and centuries ago and millennia ago take this as god writing this to you i will give you chuck a new heart kenny i will put a new spirit in you angie i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit in you Jeff, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is God speaking to you. And if he wasn't speaking to you, he wouldn't have given us these words. He gives us this so that you and I will embrace this and know that God is so intimately aware of each and every one of us that he wants us to know this, that his love would be so great to us. He's just not speaking in space and time of us. He's speaking well before us to speak to us in our present time on this planet. And he's a supernatural God as well. We see in the prophet Joel, this is written in the 700s BC. It will come about, he says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay, let me just, a little definition here. Prophecy. Your, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, that is speaking for things that they would not naturally know. It's speaking things that the human mind wouldn't know of things that are going to be taking place in the future. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I still have visions, just so, so that I know that I'm young still. Um, um, but this is what happens. I mean, I, I can tell you, they're, they're just... So let me just give you an example. And I, and I want you to take advantage of this at the table tonight. Um, experiences of God's Spirit. Supernatural experiences. I know that may sound weird, but all of this is weird. If all you, if all you and I will receive is what I can touch... You know, and, you know, feel or smell or taste, then all this is strange. But I, I can give you an example. We were, we were at, a, at um, our senior pastor, Keith Collins' house, many, many years ago. And um, dear friends of ours, Al and Donna Hilton, uh, they were doing their best to have children. And I don't know how many miscarriages they had. I mean, it was pregnancy, miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage. Um, and they decided to begin the process of adoption. And, and if you've been involved with the adoption process at all, you know the adoption process is not an easy process. A lot of heartbreak, a lot of waiting, a lot of uncertainty. Um, and all of a sudden, they get the word that they're going to be able to adopt a child. And we got together for a celebratory dinner. Um, but right before we got to the house... For the celebratory dinner, a phone call, and the adoption had fallen through. 
It's very it's heartbreaking. So we sat there and we prayed. As we prayed, again, this, believe it or not, as we prayed, one of us had a picture, just a picture in our, in our mind of a baby in utero. Now, what do you do with that? This woman has just had a multitude of miscarriages. Her heart has been broken again by an adoption falling through. Well, that person somehow got the courage to say, could we pray for you again to get pregnant? Because I saw this picture clear. Wasn't thinking about it. Wasn't looking for it. And she said, sure. Um, about five weeks later, um, we got a phone call. She was pregnant. And that little girl, Courtney Grace, is about 20, 24 today. So again, there, there are ways in which God speaks. And they're, they're just, I mean, I, I, could, I could take the evening telling you of these things that God really does that are very exciting. I have several more here, but I, I can't. Um, so, um, but share some of those tonight. I mean, dreams, things that God, these are God doings. And, they, and you know what I think? I think they're, I don't know you, each of you. I've gotten to know some of you, some more than another. But I, I think you probably had experiences like that yourself and didn't know that's what that was. Or you've run across somebody at just the right time. Maybe they invited you to Alpha or something took place. Many times that is what we call a coincidence, a God incidence. That is God saying, hey, I'm, you may not be paying attention to me, but I'm paying attention to you. You may not be looking for me, but I'm looking for you. That's what the Bible says. God, remember what it says here. I'm sorry, I'm looking Again, I, the reason I point the eyes out here, because again, it tells us, as we've talked about many occasions, God is the initiator. You and I are not the initiator of pursuing God. God, according to the Bible, if the Bible is the truth, God is the initiator of pursuing us. I will, I will, I will. He does that. And that's what he tells us. And so if we, if we go from the Hebrew scriptures to the New Testament... Uh, there's, from the, the last book of the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures is, is the book of Malachi. Uh, we Italians like to call it the book of Malachi. Uh, but so, so anyway, as we go from that, there's about a 400-year intertestamental period uh, between Malachi and the New Testament. And there's really, there's not much that we know biblically at that time, much activity of the Spirit um, but then suddenly we're beginning to see those prophecies spoken hundreds of years before Christ starting to take place. Um, and then a sudden increase, as I said, in that capacity. And then John the Baptist comes along. He was, he was not a Baptist, just so you know that. He was a, he, John the Baptizer. He is born miraculously of, of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he becomes a, he's a prophet and he has, he has grown and he is, he is declaring, if you're familiar with this at all, he is a voice that is crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And he is preparing the way of Jesus. And he, he is recorded in, in Luke's gospel as saying this, for he, he's speaking of Jesus here, will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. God, I don't know if you remember that, this, the, the scripture says that when Mary was seen by her cousin Elizabeth, do you remember what the scripture says? In her Elizabeth's womb leaped John and said that he was filled with the spirit from her womb. And then Mary, Jesus' mother, it's the angel. When Mary says, how in the world is this going to happen? 
I know no man. I've had no sexual relationships with a man. I'm just this little servant girl. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Again, not the Son of Joseph, the Son of God. Remember we talked about if Jesus is born, just like all the rest of us are born, and he is born of the seed of Joseph, he is born into whose lineage? You all know this, right? He's born into Adam's lineage. Therefore, he is born in sin and cannot be the pure, spotless, perfect son of God because he's got the wrong DNA. He could have lived. Jesus could have lived a perfect life, but he's still an Adam. And the result of that is death. And so he was born of the spirit of God and Mary humbled herself in a tremendous way for that to happen. So bottom of 47, John, the Baptist, links the Holy Spirit with Jesus. Luke, 30, Luke 3, 16, he says, as for me, John says, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now that word baptize, uh, the, the Greek word is, it's not that I know much Greek, I don't, but I know this word is like baptizo, which simply means to immerse. So if you were to have a dye, okay, a, a liquid dye, and you would put cloth in it, that cloth would be totally saturated by every bit of that dye. It would have been baptized. The dye would be, pardon me, the cloth would be baptized into the dye. And so it's this picture, not of just this external thing happening. It's a picture of an internal thing happening, an internal saturation. Not just the, the getting wet on the outside is a, a symbolism of what has taken place on the inside. It's so important to know that, that this is not just some religious observance, some empty symbolism. This is a picture of what the Spirit of God does when he takes away our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and puts a new spirit in us. That's what this is all about. I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Spirit of the knowledge of God. I, I will baptize you in truth and fire. Now, fire is a picture of a couple of things, and at least a couple of those things are Purity and passion. He makes us pure by the work of his spirit. He puts his holy spirit into our dead spirit and makes us alive in Christ. He places us into Christ. He get, and he gives us a passion for him. And I will put in you the desire to do the things that I command you. That's all a work of God's spirit. It's all a work of God who created everything saying, I want to recreate you into my image in such a way that you begin to look like, talk like, walk like, think like you with Christ by the Holy Spirit in you. That's what his desire is. See, what Jesus taught... While he was on earth, the Holy Spirit revealed, and he continues to reveal. Again, we may hear things with our physical ears, but it is the job of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us with conviction in the, in the depths of our being that the Bible is the truth. And he does that in his time and in his way. This is what Jesus had to say in John 14. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, not just Jesus, another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be where in you. This is what Jesus is saying, that it's better that he goes away because Jesus is there in his, in his incarnated form 
The spirit comes and is not restricted by flesh. The spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him or knows him. And now Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. What he's saying is this. If you're in Adam, okay, that's the, that's the world here. That's the, that's the world that Jesus is speaking about here. The world that does not know or receive Christ. But you know him. Okay, here's the question. Do you know him? Have you gotten in the wheelbarrow? Have you received the gift? Have you understood how serious of a decision this is? Have, do, do you see that? If you know him, he dwells with you, God, and will be in you. Wow. There's nothing more amazing than that. And Jesus goes on to say this. He says, he, when, the, when the, he, the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine, that is his truth, Jesus' truth and teaching, and making it known to you. If you've understood, okay, let's just for a moment say the Bible is the truth, which obviously I believe 100%. But if you don't believe that tonight, let's just, okay, um, that's fine. It's not fine, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not my job to convince you of that is what I'm saying. That's something that's between you and God. When he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. That's what the spirit does. So if there's anything that you have picked up along the way, anything that you've seen, anything that's kind of gotten inside of you, that's the spirit of God. That is God speaking to you. And you and I know, and there are every one of us in this room, any of you who are in Christ now, you know this scripture before and after you're in Christ. <laughs> he guided you into all the truth. That wasn't your brilliance. That wasn't your intuitiveness. That wasn't your intelligence. If what the Bible says is true, our our our. Uh, scholastic abilities or academic abilities or ability to read or understand things. That don't mean anything. It was the spirit who did that. He did that. But again, he can be misunderstood in his function as the, the spirit. He can be resisted, but he wants to take control. He wants us to understand his loving, merciful, all powerful control. But why do we ignore or resist? Because I, I had to ask my, myself that question. Maybe you as well. Why do I ignore or resist? See, the question for me, for me, and this may not be your question, but the question for me was not so much, do I not believe? As much as it, am I afraid of the perceived ramifications of believing? You know, we talked about this last week when we talked about evil. You know, the thought that if I surrender my life to Christ, you know, I'm not going to have any fun anymore. I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm going to have to give away all my money. You know, all, all of these things. Remember, we're going to have to dress up in white and black and serve cake and stuff like that. Um, or another thing is, do I simply not want to acknowledge and humble myself and say, I need a savior. I am not perfect. My life, there are many my, my soul is still in a fog of sorts. I need, I need the spirit of God to come and blow away the lack of clarity in my life. Now, like I said, I don't know where you are in terms of all this. And again, wherever you are, again, I will say this again. I say it a lot. Thank you for being here. I'm just so grateful. We are so grateful to have new friends in you and that you would come and trust us with with this time to be with you together. And so, again, your walk with God is between you and God. If you want to let us in on any of that and communicate that with us, then we're certainly welcome and happy to do that. But that's between you and God. And again, I'm going to say this. This has nothing to do with the denomination which you have grown up in or are a part of now. This is about you and God. 
there will be no denominations in heaven. Do you need to understand that? There are no denominations in the Bible. I'm tempted to do something right now, which I'm not going to do. I'm looking at my wife and she's going, do not do that. She knows what I'm even thinking. Um, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> oh, you see, yeah. yeah. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay, so I'm sorry to do that to you. But I, again, we've got that kind of relationship, don't we? Um, so Jesus talked about the spirit when he addressed Nicodemus, the religious leader, and he told him in John 3, 6, this is what he said. I, I'm sure you guys have looked at these scriptures. Flesh gives birth to flesh, right? Loria gives birth to Loria. Ordino gives birth to Ordino. Hawkins gives birth to Hawkins. Okay. Swanson gives birth to Swanson. That's physical flesh. That's Adam birth. Okay. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. And he says to this religious leader, you should not be surprised, Jesus says at my saying, you must be born again, literally born from above or born again, born a second time, born the first time, born in Adam, alive physically, dead, separated from God spiritually, born a second time, born spiritually alive and physically alive for just a few more years for as long as we get. And then Jesus goes on to say, the, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So I mean, we can understand that. Uh, so we think of Hurricane Katrina or we think of Hurricane Ida. Did anybody see Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Ida? No, you saw the effects of that which we called Katrina. Or that's which we called Ida or Gustav or Isaac or Betsy, or all the other things that we've had to deal with. But we see the effects of that, right? And so you say, so you don't see the Spirit, but you see the work of the Spirit. You don't necessarily see it with your eyes, but you see what has taken place. Now, again, so think about that in terms of your own life. You see his effects like the wind, um, I'm sorry. Um, I'm just fighting here. I'm just fighting myself up here. Um, so, um, so I would say that there's ample evidence to um, that the Holy Spirit has been working in the lives of every one of us that is here. Uh, I would argue, and I think I think you would agree with me, maybe. That you're not quite the same as you were when you came in here eight weeks ago. Not just because you maybe put on five pounds from the dinners. I'm, but there's something more different than that. There's something. I don't know what I would. I don't know. You're coming back for some reason. And I, and I really do believe it's. Yes, I think the relationships have something to do with it. Not having to cook on Tuesday night has something to do with it. But I think there's something more that you may be experiencing in your life. So um, let me just give you a couple of thoughts and see if you would relate to any of these. 13 evidences that the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, and there may be, may be more. Um, one is you have, a heart, have heart palpitations every time you see a wheelbarrow, okay? Um, for those of you who've been here, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, two, you're still coming. Really? I mean, you accepted the invitation. Did you still expect to be here eight weeks later? Did you? I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. Three, you're curious or convinced or committed when previously you couldn't have cared caca about this Christian crud. You know, it just didn't mean anything to you. And now you actually find yourself maybe curious about this. Maybe I'm convinced I never really considered this before. Or you've gone to the place where I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the son of the living God, and is my only hope of salvation. Um, I don't know. Uh, you're critically thinking. You're not just assuming maybe the way you assumed your whole life about religious things. You just did what you did because that's what your mom and dad did. Or you do what you do because that's what they didn't do. And you were going to be sure not to do what they did. And so, but whatever it may be, you're critically thinking. And remember, God said 
through Moses, we have it recorded in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He wants us to use the intellect that he has given us, but in humble search, not an arrogant daring of him to reveal himself. You're reading and you're understanding the Bible. And again, I know that this is true for you. There was a moment for me. Some of you may have opened the Bible. Some of you even watching live stream may have opened the Bible for the very first time in this alpha, not to get a grade because you took the Bible as you know literature or you just never opened a Bible before and you're actually beginning to see this book. I'm, I'm understanding what I'm reading. So you're reading and you're understanding. Um, you're praying as if you were conversing with God. You're actually thinking, as I'm, pray, I'm, as I'm praying now, God is giving me his attention. Um, you're talking about God in public. Not in the ways you used to speak about God in public. But you're, you're suddenly finding words coming out of your mouth about God. Now, you never would have done that before. Explain that to me. Really. You're attending church more regularly and you're liking it. You're actually listening. Things that you have repeated over and over again that have lost all meaning to you. You're actually hearing what you're saying. Hmm. wonder what you would attribute that to. Nine. You're more conscious of sin. <laughs> You're, you're more aware of what's coming out of your mouth, maybe, than you were before. Or it's not coming out of your mouth. Um, how do you explain that? You're more conscious of things that you say or do than you maybe ever have been. Um, you're experiencing a change in your actions and attitudes, which is pretty much like that. You just find that things that were so attractive to you may not just aren't that attractive anymore. They've kind of lost their luster. Your appetite for them has been sated by something, maybe someone else. Um, I, I, I love this. I, I stole this from Tim Keller. And you guys know I give Tim Keller a lot of attribution, uh, which he deserves. There's a, now, now think about this with me for a moment. There's a sense of his absence. Now think about that. Keller goes on to say, a sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. I thought that was cool. And I wish I had said it. <laughs> and I just did. But a sense of his, pardon me, a sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. Now that sounds maybe counterintuitive, but it's not. Suddenly you're thinking about a God that you didn't even know was there and you're sensing like something is missing and the reason you and I would be sensing something is missing is because someone who has always been present is there and you're realizing it. You're attending the Alpha Weekend. Really? I mean, come on. I mean, the course is one thing. You're coming to this weekend? Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, come on. That's funny. And 13. 10 weeks just doesn't seem long enough. Well, um, I'm glad someone asked. Is this the end or do we get to continue? We actually get to continue. So... For those who would like to continue, we're going to just do a few more weeks after the course just to kind of get you launched into more because next week I'm going to talk about the local church, the building. I'm going to talk more about that. What about that? So as we talk next week about the local church, it's important that if you want to go on in terms of learning more and getting to know God more, that we continue and this wasn't just a 10-week nice experience where you walk away with a graduation prize. This is, this is something that if God is real, he wants you to know him for the rest of your life. Because there's no one like him. I can tell you, 40, 
how long? 46 years it's been since God took me out of Adam and placed me into Christ. And I'm more excited about knowing him today than I've ever been. I can't explain that. That is his doing. I could do Alpha for the rest of my life. And it would never get old. Okay. <laughs> it's a weird night, isn't it? Just a weird night. Um, so, um, so anyway. Um, so think about this, really. What if God is actively pursuing you? You. <laughs> you. Really? Yes. Uh, more than the convenience of a nice meal on Tuesday. Something different to do. Or to finally get that person off your back because they kept inviting you to come to Alpha until you finally said, yes. I wasn't pointing at you. I was. Um, um, <laughs> I was, Denise. I was pointing at you. Remember, we have discussed that all of God is relational. God is a relational God. And, um, and he works through relationships. I mean, think about that. Really, all of you are here tonight, more than likely because you were invited either by a family, a uh, member of your family or a friend or classmates from the past or whatever it may be. Or you, maybe you come to Lakeview and you learned about this and you came. Um, uh, but that's how God works. He works typically through relationships and he weaves lives together uh, and then... He does something that was there all the time. We just begin to see it. Um, I just want to give you an example from, from my life. Um, this is the New Orleans Academy, first grade class of 1963. Um, I am in that picture. Um, there are several people in this. Brad Myers, he's a judge in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He just won his election in Baton Rouge by two votes. Hysterical. <laughs> and you know, they did a recount, and he won the election by two votes. Um, this is Edwin Ely. Now, you notice he's the only one really dressed up. You see him up there in the corner? He's the only one really dressed up. Do you know what he does today? He is the general manager at Perlis Clothiers. And it's, it's like, this is almost prophetic. Here's the original Hannibal Lecter. Um, that's, um, so, um, do you know where I am? Do you know? Yeah, the, the greasy little Italian boy right here. That's, that's, that's me. What a cutie. Okay, so, um, but here was my best friend growing up from first through eighth grade. Um, unfortunately, um, he flunked out of New Orleans Academy, had to go to public schools. They would only let him into Ben Franklin. So, um, for the, yeah. so anyway, but Brian, I love Brian. Brian's Jewish. And Brian, I actually made his, I, he, when he was bar mitzvahed, I walked down the aisle with my friend Brian Bean. He became a PhD, and now he calls himself BN. So I don't know, I guess that's more, not when you get a PhD, you change your last name or maybe make it sound different. But Brian, I remember Brian's birth date, August 4th, 1956. I remember Brian's phone number, 866-3556. I remember so many things about Brian. I just, I, and I call him every August 4th. I'm, he doesn't answer, but I call him. Um, and, and I mean, it just, but he does. So one day we got together. I had become a follower of Christ. And I'm talking to my dear friend. We're at a restaurant. He was in New Orleans. He lives in Atlanta now. Um, gone through some tough times. And I began to share with, with Brian just what God had done in my life. And I'm watching this. PhD in industrial psychology, brilliant, wonderful man, family man, um, two boys, I think. Um, and I noticed, and I said to Brian, I said, Brian, what if, what if God had always intended? Because he knew what was going to happen in my life. And of course, he knows what's going to happen in your life and all of our lives. What if he intended that I would remember your birthday all these years? And that one day we would connect together and I would have the privilege of telling you about what God has done in my life. And then I watched my dear friend with tears in his eyes, industrial psychologist, 
Just say two words. What if? And I, I don't remember the rest of the time. I have continued to connect with Brian on his birthday. But what I'm saying is, God intersects our lives by the Holy Spirit in the lives of other people, not just so you get to know more people, but he works subtly behind the scene and then suddenly he reveals himself at just the right time, at just the right place, not a moment too early, not a moment too late. He knows exactly when and how he's going to get our attention and save us, rescue us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. So, here is the job description of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is his job description. Um, he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, it is, it is for your good that I go away. Remember, I just mentioned that a moment ago. Jesus was incarnated in flesh and bone, and he was going to be resurrected and ascending into heaven. He says, it's good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's another name for the, for the spirit of God, the advocate or the counselor or the comforter or the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he, when he when he, the person of the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. If you are aware, if I am aware of sin, of self-centeredness, that's God's work. That is the work of God's Spirit. He comes to convict us and to convince us of our need, a need that we have, that if the, what the Bible says is true, we ourselves cannot fix by ourselves. We need God who sent his spirit to come and rescue us. That is who we need. And so this is the Holy Spirit. It, I, I, the Holy Spirit is God's real estate agent. The Holy Spirit's job is to show us our real estate before God. He is God's real estate agent. He is the one who shows us how we really stand in Adam before God. And then when he takes us out of Adam and he places us into Christ, he shows us our new real estate. He takes us out and he puts us in. Remember we talked about this last week. There are two addresses in God's kingdom. Two addresses. The dominion of darkness. All those who are in Adam, according to the Bible, are in the dominion of darkness. And then there's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's beloved son. And so if we are in Adam, we're in the dominion of darkness. Uh, that is our real estate. If we're in Christ, we have been delivered out of the dominion of darkness. That's what the scripture says in Colossians 1. He has transferred us. Christ has transferred us from the dominion of darkness. Out of Adam. Out of death. Out of separation from God. And placed us into Christ. And secured us. He has promised us that we are. That no one can snatch us out of his hand. That we are eternally secure in Christ. And so that's the question. What would you and I be holding on to that has any value in comparison to what God has offered us in a relationship with his son forever? Who's made you a better offer? <laughs> Let me think about that. Who's made you a better offer than God? If this is the truth, there is no better offer because you know why? Sorry, first timers. Life in the dash, physical line, is only for so long. And he has promised that in this life, Though we have tribulation, he has come to give us life abundantly. But on the other side of our last heartbeat, he says, you will be with me forever. And so he offers his life to us now, and he offers his life to us with no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. Life that... No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man God, what God has prepared for those on the other side of our last heartbeat that love him. So who's the spirit? He is the third person of the Trinity. He comes to reveal Christ to you and me. 
How? Well, let me just look at this. We talk about this and I will be done. He, he comes to reveal this to us, that he loves us. And he has wonderful plans for us in this fallen world. He has plans to give us his life and in his life, give us life abundantly. Secondly, he says, though each of us falls short, each of us falls short and of God's standard is acceptable standard. But he also reveals to us that God has provided the way through Jesus, through his death, his burial, his resurrection. He has an answer and his ascension. And what else does he do? He compels me to accept Jesus as the only means of rescuing, of salvation, of peace that doesn't make any sense beyond our understanding. And then he empowers us to live above the challenging, difficult, heartbreaking circumstances of this world and to be able to love others because we understand how deeply we have been Loved by him. Now, to, to receive the gift, to say I do, to get in the wheelbarrow, is not an invitation from me. Please understand that. As we've talked about that through the weeks. To say I do, to receive the gift, to get in the wheelbarrow, to surrender to Christ. That is not my invitation to you. That is God's invitation to you. That is the Holy Spirit's invitation to each and every one of you. And so the question is, again, for us to consider that. If this is the truth, if Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him, there is no greater invitation you will ever receive. There is no greater life you will ever have, this side of your last heartbeat and the other side of your last heartbeat. Again, who has made you a better offer? Has anyone even begun to make an offer to you like this? No, because nobody can. Only the one who conquered death and the grave and said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live even if or when you die. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And he who believes, she who believes in me will never die. Okay, that's just a change of earth suits, right? That's all that is. We just take off this flesh, and God gives us a new body is what the Bible says. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this is the question? And that is the question that God asks us again this evening. So that we can go forward in this life that nothing, no one on the earth can offer us. Um, okay, I'm done. Next Tuesday night, we will talk about the local church. Then week 10 follows. What do I do with the rest of my life is the topic. Uh, this weekend, dinner, 630. If, you, if you, you're not sure whether you can come or not, and then all of a sudden at 6 o'clock or 6 30 you realize you can come or seven o'clock you realize you can come come friday come saturday I, I promise you you will enjoy this time that we have so let's do this let's take a quick break thank you guys all again for being here thanks for being here for the first time and we look forward to seeing you this weekend or next tuesday